You're listening to Your Recovered Life Series, True Stories from the Future, with your host, Courtney Webster. Hi, I'm Courtney Webster, and this is Your Recovered Life. And today, I am so happy to be joined by Mike Bornhorst. He's a friend, a fellow coach, and an amazing man, and um, I'm really happy he could join us. So let me start by giving you a little of his official bio, and then we'll get to it. He graduated with a degree in small business management in 1989, and then he got sober. So then he wandered around Southeast Asia for about two years. He started and ran a very successful real estate development business in Boston. He rode his bicycle across the country with his father, and then 15 years later, he returned to school to get a master's in social work in order to work with people. He commercially fished, he got married, and had three kids, three beautiful little girls, and became a licensed psychotherapist and started a private practice in 2005 that focuses on working with men. He's also a certified coactive coach and offers that in conjunction with the psychotherapy practice. He's a great guy, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So let's do it. So here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Thanks, Courtney. Nice to be here. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is all about talking to people and finding out uh, how they found their calling in recovery. So the first question is a good one is, have you found your calling? Yeah, I, I mean, I know for 100% fact that I've found what I've been called to do in life. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a process, um, but I am certain sitting here today that I know what I am meant to do. Cool, cool. And so what would you say that is? Well, I would say the big, the big picture of what I know is that it, it, um, working with people in an intimate setting, working with people um, in counseling or coaching – around what their purpose is, what their calling is in life. Um, a, lot of, a lot of what I do is, is, is simply about connection with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the gist of it. That's the big circle. And that's gone through a couple of, you know, it's morphed a little bit over time about how I work with people and who I work with. But the bottom line is sort of is this, is this intimacy of working with people individually. Cool. Cool. Well, so can we, let's find out how it happened. Um, so you want to? Do you mind telling us the story? I guess yeah, you yeah. Since you're talking to me, but, no. Um, let me tell you. It's, I actually haven't thought about it for a long time, so it's really nice to um, to discuss it and, and to, to reflect back on it. Okay. Cool. Um, so so it began. It actually begins in 1987, where I went to rehab. Um, I went to a rehab as part of a family member for a family week, um, and while there, discovering that I, you know, that I that I clearly had my own addiction issues. Um, at which point, I decided to stay in the rehab. And enrolled myself for their 28-day program. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened while there is that that I had a moment while sitting in, in some in a in sort of a group therapy session um, where I was a client, obviously, and young, um, where I clearly and very distinctly knew that what I wanted to do was to be involved with people when they were being real, to be involved with people when they were really being authentic. Um, and, and at that time, it was in that setting, and I remember looking over at the guy, the therapist who was leading it and thinking, man, that's really what I want to do. That guy's got the best job in the world. He can actually sit here in the midst of this honesty and this realness I'm going to be part and impact these people's lives. So I, I clearly remember that very distinctly. Um, yeah. So that was the moment. That's the moment where a light went off for me, like, wow, that's what I want to do. Uh-huh. And yeah. then what happened? Yeah, then, then life totally got in the way. <laughs> Um, so my, I mean, you know, years, years actually literally went by, um, where I completely forgot about that. Um, so I went maybe 
I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years where I got very involved in, in other things like real estate development and um, business-oriented stuff um, and some traveling, some fun things in there. But it was primarily, primarily this very intense business environment that I was involved in. Um, what I did know during that 10 or 15-year period was that I was definitely not fulfilled. Um, I, knew that I, I knew that I was incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, did you yeah. feel like you so you so you got sober and so you got sober you had had this kind of light bulb but then it just kind of went went back there to be discovered later right Yeah and so you get sober and now you're like okay now what do I do with my life Yeah so so while being sober I mean I was sober for that whole period of time I've I've actually never relapsed you know thank god but it just it's been my path where I actually haven't had a relapse mm-hmm. so I was completely sober that entire time I was also completely lonely <laughs> and, and, and pretty unhappy, um, but sober and doing what I was supposed to do, and, uh, but not really, not really living that well. Um, so, so finally, something just clicked, and I don't, know, I don't know what facilitated the click necessarily, other than, other than just some accumulated unhappiness. <laughs> um, but I got to the point where, where I realized, wait a second, what is it that I really want to do? Like, I need to take control of my life. I need to, I have options. I have a lot of flexibility now if I want. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could do anything, what does it look like? And that's when I started to rediscover that, 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 that truth that had been buried deep down inside me before. When you were, can I walk backwards a bit? So you, cause I know you, you were really successful. You had, you worked in real estate and you were real successful in that. And you, I remember when we talked about this a little bit before that you, you followed some threads, right? Like first you're like, you know, I want to, um, have connection with my dad. Like there were certain things you wanted, you know, yeah. you were, because I think that when we get sober or get into recovery, things start to be revealed. Right. And sometimes yes. there's a lot of loose threads that, which one do we follow? Right. Yeah. And yeah. it, and I think I remember you saying you started following some of them, but it but what happened? Yeah, great point. Um, that's true. So 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 while being busy with the business, um, also aware that there was that there was a, that there was a void that needed to be filled with whatever I, whatever it was. Um, I started to realize, you know, the connection with my father was very important. Um, so that became part of my that became part of my life um, to be more connected with him. Um, pursued some things with him and, and, and did, did deepen my relationship with him. Um, I also remember going to having this very strong feeling that I just needed to be with people. Like I needed to help people or work with people. Um, and at that time it was a lot about trying to find, trying to find some elders, trying to find some older folks that could actually guide me or help lead me. <laughs> you know, I think it's a, I think it's actually a big void in today's society for, especially for men, not to have older men that can help lead them. Anyways, back in my early sobriety, um, it was something that I was craving. So I, I, I literally went to a nursing home and asked if I could volunteer as a to lead a group. I mean, I had no experience doing that. I just wanted to. I really it was sort of a co-op, you know, a uh, a covert mission to to become friends with an old man that was going to show me the way. Uh, <laughs> We're crafty uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which ultimately didn't really happen. But I did actually get in there and lead lead these these social groups for older men, um, which was in, which in itself was a great experience, but not, it still didn't, it still didn't, it still didn't fill that void I was looking for. Um, yeah. And so you, you're, you're working, um, because I, here's, here's where I, where I want to get real curious and see if, cause I think there's people that, that would, like we get into recovery and then we are 
doing our jobs or living our life, but something feels like it's missing or there's something for myself. I just, I yeah. knew there was something I was supposed to do and I didn't know what it was. And it was kind of like this hunger and I, I just, what was it like for you? Were, were you, were you wanting to find something? Were you thinking this isn't it or? I don't know if I had that level of maturity at that time. Um, I knew that I knew something was missing. Um, and I, I didn't really know how to discover what was missing. Um, so I sort of found myself just aimlessly trying to follow leads or threads, like you said. Um, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't, at that early, you know, the, the earlier stages of my sobriety, I didn't have a, I don't think I had the maturity to really sit down and discover what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was still sort of very much about, you know, impulse and, and, and um, just where I, following my gut to some extent. But my gut was wandering a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you traveled? Yeah, I did a lot of, I traveled. I took, I took a year and traveled, in South, a year and a half and traveled in Southeast Asia. Um, yeah, that was very much part of this wandering sort of following my gut and knowing there must be more, but not knowing what that is. That was actually before starting the real estate business. Mm-hmm. Um, so right after rehab, you know, spent a couple of years doing some work and then, then it was like, I got to get out of here. I got to, I want to, I want to, I want to find more. And I literally got on a plane, a one way ticket to Southeast Asia and stayed there for almost two years, um, which was fantastic. And it was great. And, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of great things and cool people, um, but still not complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, so you, you're looking for mentors, and you're feeling like I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for something. Did you, did you feel like you were seeking? Oh, or? no question. I was definitely seeking. I was definitely seeking, and I almost totally forgot about my experience in rehab. And I don't know if that's like a, a God thing where I wasn't ready to start working as a therapist or a counselor. Um, and I needed to wander around and learn more about myself. Um, but yeah, absolutely. A, a, a state of, a state of seeking. Yeah. What made you, cause that's kind of crazy that you're like, Oh, I'm just going to go start a group at a, at a, you know, yeah. at, what's, what's the proper way to say it? At a, at a, at a, a, nur- a nursing, nursing home. Nursing yeah. Home, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so you, you went and started doing that and how did, how did, so you're, you're following, so, and you were following something for yourself. I need, I need connection, right? You were, yeah. Yeah. Following connection. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was even, it was even, I need connection and I need guidance. Um, that's what I really felt like I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you yeah. started, so you started the group and then how did, so then what happened with the group or, well, like, how, so now you're like this amazing coach. You, uh, you, you're setting the world on fire doing, you know, your heart's desire and really doing amazing things, connecting men and authenticity and, and you're a coach and a therapist. And so someone, oh, I yeah. think, goes, well, so we started at this nursing home, and now he's doing that? Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, yeah, right. So we'll fast forward. Um, fast forward into the, you know, the, the ending of the, or the real estate thing, um, where I was finally like, look, I, gotta, I need more. I definitely need more. Um, and that's when I applied to go to um, uh, grad school. To, to become, at the time, I thought the best thing would, would be to become a social worker because I knew that if I got my license in social work, I could, um, you know, I had a lot of flexibility with that professionally. Um, so I went, so I went back to school. I, I enrolled in social, I enrolled in grad school, went to, um, started doing classes again, which was like, total, oh no, actually, no, before that, I went to a community college and started taking some classes for a certificate in um, substance abuse counseling. 
Because at this point, I had sort of recalled, well, if, I, if there was anything that I kind of ever thought I really wanted to do, that was it. Um, but I had definitely lost the fire around why that was it, but I knew that that was the only thing that made any sense to me if I was going to pursue something. And, I, and if, I, if I took the position that I have control over my life and I had to go in some direction, that was the direction my gut was telling me to go. Um, so I took a couple courses in uh, substance abuse certificate program and um, just to get me back into school, started thinking like a student again. And I, you know, I was never much of a student. <laughs> um, but then I ended up going to grad school and uh, getting in the social work program, which again was still a lot of, a lot of jumping through hoops. I'm still holding on to this hope that I need more and I don't know what that is, but I have to move in some direction that, that's different than the one I'm in. So it was sort of this blind hope or faith that somehow this was going to lead to something more. Because it wasn't apparent at first. You know, I got into grad school and it was a whole, it was a whole slew of hoops to jump through. And even when you're in school, there's more and more. And you know, all this stuff you don't necessarily want to be learning or aren't going to be using in your future, you don't think. Um, yeah, and, and at one point, even being in grad school, being like, you know what, I don't want to be a social worker necessarily. Like, I don't know what that means <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, so anyways, graduated school, and then, then things started to click for me. Then I got a job working in a residential program on an island um, that, was, that was very experientially based, um, very personal. It was a uh, high ratio of staff to student. You live out there 10 days at a time, very primitive living, and it was... Um, and it was very personal, and there was a ton of connection. And that's when I started to realize, wait a second, this, this is what I'm looking for. And the this really being, this, the this really being connection with people um, at, a, at, a, you know, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that started when I started realizing, okay, wait a second, these seeds that I've planted, they may actually grow into something that I, that I love. Um, yeah, right. so it was very, so at that point it started to get exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, then I was like, okay. Now I can clearly let go of the real estate and totally commit to a path that I want to move down um, and believe may be right. Yeah. What, what were people around you saying? Because, I mean, we, now we know it's a happy ending, but at the time you had this pretty successful business and you're going back to school and you're not quite sure and, you know, you're jumping through hoops, as you say. And so kind of like what was happening around you? What was, what was going on? Yeah, that's a great question. But you got to remember that I was single. Um, you know, I was sort of this single guy living my life, and there wasn't a whole lot of people who uh, who had a lot of a. Th- I didn't. I don't feel. I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of people who had a lot of authority in my life at that mm-hmm. point. So there was. I didn't really. There was nobody that was could really say anything that was going to bother me about. Okay. It. Um, so I was free to do as I chose. Um, yeah, and I, and you know I had limited you know my financial responsibility and my general responsibilities were were uh, were pretty pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to ask? Okay. So then, so you got your, um, when did you make the connection that like, oh my God, this is like that thing. Like, when did you start to feel like, I think this is it. I mean, I, I hear like when you were on the Island, you were like, what, wait a minute, this is feeling yeah. right. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm curious what the process was. If you can look back on it now in the moment, it's yeah. hard to tell, but if you look back on it, go, oh, that's what I was following. Cause I that I think is really helpful for people when they're in the middle of yeah. the not knowing yeah. to be like, I'm in the not knowing. I don't even know how to, how to get out of it. What, what were you yeah. doing in the not knowing that maybe I can pay attention to? Well, I, th- I think in the not knowing what I was really doing was really listening to my gut, um, like really trusting my gut and my heart as to what, 
what was resonating, like what, if anything, was working for me. And even even the job on the island, um, it wasn't. I mean, I loved working. I liked working with the kids, and that was that was part of the deal. But what I really loved was working with the staff. These guys, these gritty guys, who um, you know weren't the therapeutic, you know, sort of touchy feely kind of guys at all. Um, they were sort of vets or uh, carpenters or any guy they could get to come out and work on an island for uh-huh. ten days with, you know, with crazy kids. Um, but what, I, what was happening is I was actually connecting with these guys um, in a way where I, I found myself often listening to them and very much being a sounding board for them and realizing that they didn't have people, you know, these guys didn't, they didn't talk like this very often to other people. And also realizing that I was that guy, that I had been that guy forever. Um, so that's when it started to click with me. You know what? I really want to work with men. I want to work with men who typically um, would not go to therapy or ty- typically would avoid that kind of thing. But I want to be a guy that they can actually safely go to and talk to. Um, yeah, so that's when it started to shift into, okay, well, okay, what if I, if I really design this and I really drive my ship? That means I have a private practice and I work exclusively with men um, on, in, on, on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, how, that's what it actually you know, evolved into. Um, and, and it was really based on trusting my gut and having faith that that was right and that somehow that was going to work out. Have you, um, were you always a guy that trusted your gut? No. Well, I certainly wasn't a guy who trusted my gut before getting sober. If after getting sober, I started to learn to, to, to trust my gut and also be able to follow a, um, to be able to follow a plan once I, once my, once I had a sense of what I wanted to do, being sober gave me the possibility of executing a plan. You know, I mean, everyone knows that while we're in the midst of our addiction, um, saying something and doing something aren't always the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and getting things done in a, in a sort of a responsible way is not a high probability. Yeah. So, you, so you started listening to your gut and then following it. Um, and and so- then actually doing things, like actually doing things that I thought might be connected. Even, even though I didn't want to do them necessarily, um, my gut was telling me that that was the right path. Did you have doubts along the way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had doubts, but I had no other options. <laughs> That's what it was. You know, I had doubts where I was like, shit, I mean, shoot. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Shit's fine. Shit. I didn't know, uh, do I really want to be a social worker? And like, am I going to be working with all these people I'm going to school with? Is it going to be like that kind of thing? Um, and I didn't like the sound of that, that idea, really. But I had this hope that if I got my master's in social work, I could get a license and start a private practice. Um, and I was banking on that. So, yeah, to, to actually stick to what I felt was true in moments of clarity, even though those, cl- those moments of clarity, you know, faded often, um, it was sticking to knowing that when I was grounded and I saw that clarity, that that was real. And that was my, that was my stake. That was my guidepost. Yeah. And what was your stake? My, my stake, my stake was to work, uh, my stake became to work with men in, individually. Um, yeah, it became, I got to do whatever I can do to see if this is actually right for me. Yeah. And to get there. So there was a, there was a sense of, cause I think that when we look at people and we see that they've arrived, it just seems like, oh, they made that decision and that's where they went. Cause they knew that that was yeah. going to work. And there wasn't a guarantee. You just knew what you had to hold on to. It sounds like. Yeah. And, no question. And I would even suggest that that edge of knowing what you want to do or, or as your, as your, as your calling evolves. I mean, even now, my calling's always evolving. Um, but being in a place where now I can really trust that 
what my gut tells me, what my heart's telling me, if I can stick on that and actually stay consistent with that, it's probably right. Yeah. And nobody else knows what that is except for me. Yeah. I know. That's like the good news and the yeah. bad news. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're not knowing, right? Because I think a lot of times... I mean, how many books are written about how, how, how to, you know, fill out these, you know, uh, questions yeah. and do this step, this step, this step, and ta-da, yeah. and it, it looks easier than it, than it sometimes is. So yeah. what would you say to someone who has, um, who's in the, in, the, in the kind of like, I don't know, I feel like there's something I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know what it is, and this isn't it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, what I would do, I mean, now, my... <laughs> My answer to that, and I wish so much that back in the day I had had access to somebody. Um, I mean, I, I was I mean, uh, like with the, the old man, uh, the, <laughs> the old man group. Uh-huh. Um, you no, know, I mean, uh, seeking somebody to give me some answers, which at least guided me down a path to start discovering some of this stuff. Um, yeah, if you can find, if, you, if there's anybody in your life that you trust enough to talk to in that way, the problem is, is that the person has to be good at listening and not have an agenda for you. Or tell you what they think is best for you, because mm-hmm. literally nobody knows except for yourself. Um, so my, the you know, hiring a good coach is actually a great start. Sitting down with somebody whose intention is to actually just help you work to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely not a plug for coaching. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a great resource. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's actually part of the reason why I love coaching now, because you can provide something that therapists typically don't. Mm-hmm. If you, so if, if you were that wise um, elder for someone um, who's watching this and they're like, well, I don't have that person in my life or I, I don't, you know, because a lot of times we go to people and I hear people who say, well, I talk to a really well-intentioned, loving family member, friend, whoever, and they, they just kind of a lot of times go with what the limitations are. Well, you need to get a job. You need to be able to, you know, yeah, and there's, sure. not, there's not the questions that... Um, ask someone to go deep and, yeah. and that's where I think, I mean, not, not always, but I mean, sometimes the answers just come, but there, there is some introspection. There was some, you having to go into your gut. So what would be some questions you would, you would advise someone to ask themselves? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, one of the questions, one, well, one, one great question to start thinking in that direction. If you can free yourself enough to think, you know, what would, what would I do if I was guaranteed not to fail? What, if I was guaranteed not to fail and there was no repercussions, what would I choose to do? And that may not be the thing, but whatever the answer is to that question has a lot of juice in it. There's something in there that is real. There's something in there that's very connected to your heart and what you, what you want to do and what you're called to do. Um, so that, those types of questions where you can sort of free yourself up to actually explore what your heart is saying without all the clutter. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, anything, anything that an individual can do to help get them grounded and be in a place where they can start to, to start to listen to what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, what, yeah, what a lot I, of it. A lot of it is about. A lot of it is about you know your own personal work. Uh-huh. You know, doing the stuff and getting people, being surrounded by people that are on your team, um, as opposed to people who are sucking the life out of you, or you're allowing them to suck the life out of you. Right. So being yeah. a choice. So getting a team. Right. Asking yourself, what 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 could I, if, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Yeah. What else? Being grounded. Uh-huh. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, for some people that's getting healthier physically, emotionally. Um, I think all those things help in clarifying your direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? And most importantly, staying on top of your sobriety. I mean, that has to be a cornerstone. You have to have your addiction, you know, 
managed well. Your addiction cannot be colluding. Could you, if your addiction is driving at all, obviously it's gonna, you're not going to have any clarity as to where you really want to go because that's the last place your addiction wants you to go. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Say more about so, that. Well, the, the, I think for any, anybody in recovery, uh-huh. they have to be, they have to be um, managing their addiction well. And that, that's different for everybody. Right. Um, but for me, that was, really, that was really the first five years of what I needed to do was to actually just stay sober and start to learn how to live life without, you know, without my drug of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started to open. I mean, it was all sort of unfolded from there. But that has to be in place. Um, and even, you know, I've been sober for, for 26 years, and it still needs to be in place. If that goes, everything crumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion. I mean, I know that to be true emotionally. I don't know that to be true if I'm actually picking up again, but yeah. Well, there is, you know, a cornerstone of, you know, in 12 step programs that, you know, one's primary purpose is to, you know, stay sober and et cetera. Um, and I think that's true. And I think that I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes there's a little, well, if that's my primary purpose, then I guess that's just all I'm supposed to do. But then they also talk about, well, that's, you, you, you get sober, you get recovered so that you can be out in the yeah. world and do that thing. And yeah. um, so I think sometimes it's like, no, do that. And for people to say, or maybe it's just me, I was just like, is it wrong for me to think I, I have another purpose? Is, is, yes. is that somehow being disloyal <laughs> to my yeah. sobriety? And um, I don't think that's true. I think that, uh, I don't think it's true. What do you think about it? Well, I, you know, I, I work with a lot of people in recovery. Um, well, I, I work with people who, who have, have some length of recovery. Um, so I do have an opinion about that. And getting sober, to me, is not the key, is not the key to happiness, necessarily. Getting sober is, is, um, is a necessary step to get the footing in order to figure out where you want to go. You know, and that's my story, um, and it might be different for others. But just getting sober was clearly not my calling. Getting sober was putting me in a place where I could discover why I'm put on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And my addiction took that away from me, you know, to some extent. It, it sucked the life out of that spark um, in me that I had to rediscover. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, getting sober for me is actually the, 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 the footing you need to, to come alive again. But just getting sober doesn't, doesn't necessarily um, bring you back to a thriving place. Right, yeah. right. But that, but that being said, I do remember early parts of sobriety where I felt really good, you know, this idea of, but that, that's, to me, that's a lot more about having hope. Um, you know, so this initial stage of hope, which is amazing, but then staying sober and discovering your calling is about what you do with that hope. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you're like, oh, I want to tell people this? No, well, I'll tell you this. I remember going into the intake at rehab, and I was a, you know, I was a mess. And the lady at intake <laughs> said to me, she said, you know, what do you want in life? Like, what do, you, what do you want? And first of all, for somebody who's newly sober, they don't even know what their favorite color is. It's like, I have no idea who I am. Um, and I said to her, you know, I don't know. I want a truck. You know, I want a truck, and, and I'd like to go into a business with my father. And maybe have a girlfriend. You know, and all these things to me were just pipe dreams. I was like, there's no friggin' way I'm getting any of these things. Um, just because we're at a place where we're so low. Um, but now what I do have is I have a beautiful wife. I have three gorgeous kids. I have a thriving practice. Um, 
I have a truck, <laughs> you All know, right. and, and I, and what happened is I actually got so much more than I actually dreamt of. I didn't even know that was possible, but I got so much more as far as friends and hope and realizing my impact on the world. Um, these things that are just tremendously fulfilling. Yeah. That's so. great. That's great. And I, th- I just thought of one question because you said you followed your gut and I think that that, especially in early sobriety and in life, it can be hard to know, is that my gut? Like, how do I get in touch with my gut? So I wonder if you have any thoughts on how to listen. Like, I know the grounded part, but is there yeah. something else? I think, it, I think it's, um, I think people know. I think people kind of know the truth and they know when it's not true. Um, or they at least know when it's closer to truth than not truth. Kind of like, in my opinion, kind of like you know if you're an addict or not. I kind of knew, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, no matter what happened, how much I buried it, deep down I knew. Um, I also knew once I got sober that there was definitely more. Yeah, and you can just kind of know. And I think you actually, when you hear truth or you see something that's true for you, it rings different. And to stay, just to stay in tune with that, keep clarity for that sole purpose, to be able to hear that different tone of something that's true. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful, Mike. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that it's important for people, you know, as you said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like tune the channel so you can hear it. And it doesn't mean you're going to be hearing it 24-7, but you need to be tuned yeah. to the channel. And when you hear it, you hear it. Yes. Yeah, that actually, now that I think about it, back in, back in that time, mm-hmm. I remember being in a place where I want to be open and ready for any, anything that's on that frequency. <laughs> And oftentimes I would just wait. I mean, I waited for you know a long time. Walk around at night, lonely, just being like, stay in tune, stay, stay, stay. There's this big sense of don't cave. Something's going to come. Something's going to change. Um, and I just can't drink again. But something will change. And staying honest to that and faithful to that, things do evolve. And I would even suggest at this point, looking back, that things evolve exactly the way they're supposed to. Things come exactly when you're ready to hear them. Um, but you need to be aware and prepared to hear things. Yeah. Yeah, and, and be in a place where you can act on them when you think it's time. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, well, there's one part of your story that I just love, and I hope it's okay that I'm going to share it. But I remember when we first spoke, it was right around um, Valentine's Day. And uh, you said, oh, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's my uh, sobriety date. That's right. Valentine's Day. And I love that that's connected to, you know, you connecting know. hearts and authenticity. And I love that there's a picture of a heart. Yeah, I never, I never had really connected those two until the first time we spoke. But, yeah, the last time I drank was uh, on, on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Um, and I love that, too, and I appreciate you pointing that out. That's great. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate uh, you sharing pleasure. your experience. And um, I'll have all your information so that people, if they want to get in touch with you, they can. Great, Courtney. Thanks. I appreciate it. I love going over this story again. I love the fact that you gave me the opportunity to do that. And I really appreciate the fact that you're reaching out to people who are seeking their calling, especially these amazing people who are in recovery. Mm-hmm. Powerful, intelligent, gifted people who, who can change the world. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Right. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Take care. To find out more about Mike or get in touch, check out his websites mensfundamentals.com, offshorelifecoaching.com, or shovelfishcounseling.com. To get in touch with me, check out my website at yourrecoveredlife.com. And if you have a true story to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a note to Courtney at yourrecoveredlife.com. And thanks for listening.